Hello, and welcome to the Sea Short Talks podcast. I'm Frank Beard. And I'm Erin Del Conte. Join us as we talk about all things fuel and convenience. But first, a word from our sponsor. Are your on-site managers losing hours every week to time-consuming workforce scheduling? Are your locations understaffed during busy periods? Are your associates calling out or quitting over scheduling issues? With AI-powered workforce management and employee self-service, Reflexus Workforce Scheduler eliminates inefficiencies in labor, budgeting, forecasting, and scheduling, simplifying your labor operations and unleashing the power of your on-site associates. To learn more, contact Reflexus Systems, now part of Zebra Technologies. You can also find them online at reflexusinc.com. That's R-E-F-L-E-X-I-S-I-N-C.com. All right, Frank, so before we get started, I know you were traveling recently. I think it was your first trip since uh, the COVID-19 pandemic started. So what's new out in the world? Have you seen, did you see anything interesting as you went through the airport or... I did. And yeah, it felt so good to get back on a flight. Um, I used to fly all the time and then suddenly I was flying none of the time. So it was a very (laughs) weird pause, but it did feel good to get back to an airport. And I had a good layover at Charlotte and I, you know, they always have a cool retail area, um, which was great because couldn't find my, uh, my belt. So I had to go to Johnson and Murphy and, uh, pay, pay that fee and get something from them. But, um, but I'm walking around and it was interesting to see how many of the micro markets had really just done away with people at all, um, had completely went to, uh, unstaffed stores. And I mean, I think we all kind of suspected that was going to happen in airports to begin with. It's not like a convenience store where employees have to do 20 different things every day. I mean, in the airports, I mean, people are literally just standing there just standing there. Um, I mean, you come up, you swipe your card, you put your pin in. Um, I guess they swipe your products or scan them, but that's literally about the only thing that they do at some of those micro markets. So it's like, it's a place that was probably going to get automated at some point. Like, let's be honest. But I think that's definitely starting to happen. Um, the thing I saw a lot at Charlotte's airport is they had the sort of uh, image recognition um, systems from Mastgen. So if any, you know, Mastgen makes those, I think, uh, was it Caper? They make one. Um, there's a few companies doing this. But basically what it is, it's like a hybrid between a self-checkout station and a checkout free store, sort of like Amazon Go or what, you know, Standard or Zip and do with AirTech. So you set your items down on this surface. It immediately just you know, looks at what's there and (laughs) yeah, identifies it, populates a screen and you tap and go with Google pay, Apple pay, whatever, put a chip in whatever you do. And then you just pay and leave. So I saw, actually saw a couple of those. Um, I stood and watched some people use them. Uh, this one, this, this one, like older lady in front of me, I think she was struggling with it. I don't know if it was a system or if it was user error, but, uh, no one else really seemed to have issues with it. Um, one thing I found that was really interesting is there was one store that had these and they had a person standing there in front of them where when I brought my snacks up, she took my items and set them on the surface for me. And then I paid and she reached over and grabbed the receipt and gave it to me with my items. And it was the weirdest exchange. I mean, she was super nice, but it was just like this entire system is designed to not require that kind of interaction. But I think like I even remember at convenience stores when they first came out with the touch screens, how a lot mm. of them talked about how sometimes when customers were just getting accustomed to it, it was really helpful to have an employee just kind of stand in there, kind of 
bridging that gap between the old way and the new way, especially for perhaps some of those those less tech savvy people who uh, who weren't as uh, interested yeah. uh, in that technology. I remember talking to someone. It was either from a checkout free company or a self checkout company. I don't remember right now, but they. Um, I, I think the scenario they were describing applies to both. But they were saying, you know. They've observed it takes about three weeks for people to get over that early adoption phase where they just it becomes normal and they don't need help anymore. Um, I guess an airport might be different. You know, it's not like, you know, people in the community are going there all the time unless they're frequent travelers. But still, I thought this was As interesting to see. from the, uh, the security line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't even get me started on the security <laughs> lines. You, you know, of course, I go there and the TSA has already put some new security systems in place and they're supposed to be so much better than the old ones. And yet they're not better. They are more friction filled than the old ones. They're telling me, no, don't put this in there. Don't. OK, but just <laughs> let me run it through the scanner. It's not a big deal. Uh, not even going to go down that conversation. But one thing I thought was interesting, too, is they had um, also had a bank of smart fridges by um you know, a couple of the uh, terminals there. So that was interesting. Now, I think three quarters of everything was out of stock, and I ended up buying the most expensive Altoids I've ever seen in my life to test this out. But basically, you walk up, you got a couple coolers. Um, the door handle sort of doubles as a little screen and sort of a uh, contactless payment terminal. So you go up, you tap your phone to it, you hear a click, you open the door, you take what you want, shut it, and it charges you for what you took. Um, that was interesting to see. And honestly, a lot of those micro markets in airports could probably be replaced with those. Um, I mean, I've, it, it could definitely work. Um, I don't know. That was interesting to see. I didn't see a lot of people using it, but the other, uh, contactless systems were definitely getting some use. So I'm actually going to go on another trip here shortly. And, uh, my flight goes into Dallas love, which I think is the one that did Hudson's first, uh, checkout free, system using Amazon mm -hmm. Go's technology. So I don't know if it'll be open late at night when I get in, but if not, I'm going to go check it out when I uh, leave and definitely experiment with that a bit. Um, so I'll, have to, I'll post some photos online or put an article out about it. Very good. Um, Take a video <laughs> as you go yeah, through. I've got my vlogging camera with me, so I'm definitely going to do that. Um, you know, another thing, though, that I saw in the news that was really interesting is, so there's an article in Seesaw Decisions that 7-Eleven is going to install 500 EV ports by the end of next year. Mm -hmm. And that I'm curious about for a number of reasons. I um, What I'm hearing from a lot of retailers is just tremendous amount of uncertainty about this. Um, I know I've written a few pieces on it, and, you know... Like I've never been to Norway, but when I look at the reports coming out of Norway about the EV charging situation, um, they all say the same thing, which is that public chargers aren't really getting a tremendous amount of use. It's people are charging at home. People in apartments are generally charging at home. But yet you do need the infrastructure there to support long distance travel, to support, um, God forbid, someone forgets to charge or all those mm -hmm. random situations when they may need it. Yes. But the... Yeah, but charging as an activity is something that takes place when the car's parked for long times. And I find that really interesting. So I'm curious to see how it plays out in the U.S. Because, um, I mean, 7-Eleven does have great coverage. I could see them putting some of these in at places where it's really great for those long drives, like between major cities, um, on the outskirts of major cities. Um, I, I mean, that could be a really useful thing. I, I think... Mm -hmm. 
everyone at this point is just, no one knows what to expect. No one knows what's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. but 7 um, Eleven's always been a company that's willing to jump in and try things. I remember, I mean, we were talking about this. You know, they were the first ones to do a commercial drone delivery. A lot of people forget that. Um, I think that's something cool about their company, whether things work out or not, they're always willing to find the answer and jump in and figure it out. Um, so, I'm really curious to see what they find here. Very cool. Uh, so I was also looking at our, our news, and I was going to mention uh, an article that we that we ran in C-Store Decisions about Parker's, and it's very timely because we're talking about contactless payments today. Um, but Parker's, who's C-Store Decisions 2020 Chain of the Year, mentioned that they experienced a 40% increase in contactless mobile payment during the COVID-19 pandemic, which isn't surprising, right? Uh, a lot of customers not wanting to uh, to touch things, wanting to uh, to do things in a in a more remote way during the pandemic, uh, and we're going to be chatting a lot more about that today uh, with our with our guest from Pilot. But uh, but I just thought it was interesting because you know they they launched their uh, Parker's proprietary pay at the pump app technology. Uh, in 2016, and they've been, uh, you know, pioneering the way forward in contactless payment ever since. Uh, and I think that we're going to see uh, this contactless payment really expanding and growing even as we come out of the pandemic. I think the, uh, uh, you know, I think the the genie's out of the box, so to speak, and we are uh, we're kind of moving forward in this direction. And uh, Looking forward to chatting with Pilot today to see how they think it might uh, expand going forward. Yeah, I think contactless payments are such a natural fit for convenience stores. It's, um, you know, kind of like that feeling we all have when someone's standing there looking at the lotto tickets and you're like, come on, man, just keep <laughs> moving. I'm, I got like one thing I need to go. Um, well, the same thing happens when someone's got a chip that doesn't work or um, they're trying to count out change or it's like contactless payments are great. Tap, go, leave, just get on your way. It's It, it just it fits the whole vibe of the convenience store, getting you in and out quickly. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I, I have no doubt that they saw an increase in that. I'm curious to see how that all plays out, uh, you know, here over the next couple of years. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see even how it goes through the end of the year now as we come out of this pandemic, if uh, if that rate is going to keep climbing or stay the same or, or what we're going to see. Yeah, I'm a diehard Google Pay fan at this point. So that's definitely <laughs> my preferred pay. You know, it's almost weird at this point when you go and you see that someone doesn't support that. Um it's kind of interesting how that shift has, has happened. At first it was like, oh, oh, you support that. That's cool. That's innovative. And then now it's just everyone's, you know, making moves in that space. So now it's almost surprising when someone doesn't accept Absolutely. it. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into today's podcast. So today we're speaking about contactless payments. So recently C-Store Decisions uh, in conjunction with Stuzo uh, had our tech awards our 2021 Tech Innovation Awards that went out in our May issue of C-Store Decisions. And we recognized a number of chains that were doing really innovative things when it came to technology. And so one of the chains that we recognized was Pilot for its work with contactless payment initiatives. So today we're here with Tyler Tanaka, the Vice President Digital and Loyalty for Pilot Flying J, which has more than a thousand retail and fueling locations across 44 states and Canada. So Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Tyler, can you highlight for our listeners who who maybe didn't have a chance to read our, our tech awards and our May issue yet, some of the ways that Pilot is, is offering customers contactless payment options today? 
Yeah, we're very fortunate that we've got a very distinct um, type of guest that, that shows up to pilot. Um, we have, of course, the professional drivers who are moving America, um, keeping all that freight running, keeping all that toilet paper arriving during the pandemic. Making sure that, yeah, <laughs> ma- making sure that food and medicine uh, was arriving right. They are the um, the the heart of the nation, right? Mo- moving all of those goods, um, and then we've got, of course, the everyday auto driver uh, who's taking their kids to school and commuting to the office now. Um, you know, as we come out of uh, the pandemic. And then we've got um, specialized types of guests like the RV owners who are road tripping or traveling around the country um, in their recreational vehicles or towing trailers, um, you know, on on vacation, right, and and headed to the beach. And so it's very um, important for us to make sure that we've got different ways for each of those guest types to be able to uh, interact with Pilot Flying J in all of our locations. And so a couple of the ways that we do that um, are built purpose specific for those types of guests. And so with pro drivers, we have mobile fueling that allows them to uh, authorize and start the fuel dispenser uh, on the commercial fueling lanes. Uh, And those are really complicated transactions. It's not just like pulling up to the pump like you would, you know, to fill up your car. So there's a lot of um, interactions with the dispenser that you would have to touch and key in prompts and get asked questions so that the billing cards can work. And so we've built all of that functionality into the My Rewards Plus app. Uh, and it also connects to the driver's loyalty points so that they can automatically earn all of their rewards and points. And so they don't have to touch the dispenser and use the full keyboard um, on the fuel pump to key in all their information. So it's both a time saver as well as um, speeding up the transaction and making it much more frictionless. We also have things like shower reservations and parking reservations for those pro drivers. And normally, in order to do that, they would have to either call our guest services or come into the store and use a kiosk and interact with the kiosk, physically interacting and touching a keyboard that lots of other people might have interacted with. And so... Anytime a pro driver shows up on property, um, they can now get in line for a shower and that shower code is sent directly to their mobile phone. They get a push notification. They don't have to be standing inside the store in their flip flops with their shower kit. Uh, they can be, you know, they can be comfortable, comfortably relaxing uh, inside their, their truck. And, and when they get notified, they can just come in uh, and then go right into their shower reservation. And then on the auto side, of course, we have all kinds of in-store transaction um, opportunities that are contactless now. So we've got TAP, of course, at at the pin pads for uh, credit cards that accept TAP. And we, of course, take Apple Pay and Google Pay directly from mobile devices uh, at the point of sale. And so rather than having to pull out those credit cards and sign and use all the pin pads, keying in information. You can just use your phone now, of course, to to transact. So those are three uh, very distinct uh, ways that that we're trying to make it easy for uh, faster, touchless types of transactions. Wonderful. 
And I love what you were saying about the the shower reservations, how they can do it all uh, with push notifications inside their their truck and the the shower code. They don't have to kind of stand in line in their flip flops, as you said. I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about that area of things. So. Um, as you said, the professional drivers can use these mobile reservations, um, you know, for truck parking and mobile shower reservations. So talk to me a little more about how this changes the game from a convenience perspective for those drivers. Yeah, it's really important for us to try to make the driver's day better and easier. So contactless became a really important thing, obviously, during the pandemic. Um, social distancing, just made waiting in line in one of our stores virtually impossible, right? Um, Due to CDC regulations or state regulations or county regulations uh, for that matter, we had to close our driver's lounges and uh, we had to close seating in restaurants uh, that are on property or our QSR restaurants, right? All of our Subways and Wendy's and Taco Bell's and, and McDonald's were closed at least for inside dining. And so having the ability to not have to wait in line or to have to be forced into a dense social setting inside the store um, was really a, a huge asset to be able to have drivers, again, not be forced into a certain situation or circumstance, right? That they had to come inside the box, you know, inside the store and then interact with the team member um, or have to interact with the kiosk. Um, It took the burden and pressure off of our team members as well, right? Imagine how many times the kiosk would have to be cleaned every day and the pin pad would have to be wiped down um, and the point of sale cleaned. And so all those things that you don't see um, just from an operation standpoint, is a huge benefit. Um, you know, it, it relieves the pressure from people having to get in line uh, to make that shower reservation at the point of sale. And so the, the increased use of mobile apps is a wonderful thing, right? Both from an operation standpoint, you know, for, for us as Pilot Flying J, but really the most important thing is creating all this utility and value, you know, directly for the guest. Um, and of course, more and more people are becoming way more adept at using their phone to do all kinds of things, including pay for things, right? Or make reservations or have food delivered or whatever, whatever the case may be. So, um, you know, great utility for the guests to be able to, um, again, use it to solve whatever challenges they have during the day and, and just to make their, their stop with us easier and better. And obviously, with with mobile apps, the usage has really gone up during uh, during the pandemic. Um, as we move out of the pandemic, you know, how do you see contactless payment continuing to evolve? Um, you know, you, you listed so many great ways that this has been helping during the pandemic. But as we move out of this, you know, how are these going to continue to gain traction and be useful to customers? Yeah, I heard an amazing stat. Um, last summer that e-commerce had increased five years worth of financial projections and usage in five months. Wow. And I think what we're going to see is it's probably a greater impact than that, right? And much of that e-commerce was actually done inside mobile devices. 
Uh, it's not happening at a normal desktop anymore. And so we, as um, a travel center, um, really are the beneficiary of that because people's adoption of, of phones and mobile devices now to do normal things like banking and ordering online, it's all happening you know, on those mobile devices. So I see it really sticking. I think combined with people's behavior changes due to the pandemic, um, here in, in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, where we're headquartered, um, you know, it's, it's great. I'm back in the office and our team's back in the office and everybody's vaccinated. And um, you still see the residual, like waiting in line at a store, you know, there's Old still habits those, die hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that 15 months of, of behavior, you still see the residual habits and effects of a little bit extra space while you're standing in line and you're not going to the bank and using the ATM to get cash because <laughs> you've now added your cards into your mobile apps wallet. You're using Google pay. You're using Apple pay. You're using apps wallets like you know, whether it's Starbucks or Wendy's or Dunkin' Donuts, right? All these brands have added in new ways for you to transact and engage with them. So I see a really big lift and stick, essentially. And so that behavior um, was forced. And now people are realizing that it was actually um, a benefit to move into these mobile ecosystems and to move into these um, contactless payments. And it's been great to use Apple Pay to send somebody money rather than to, you know, have to get them cash or write a check or fill in the blank, right? So I think I think that the pandemic obviously was horrible, but it brought huge advancements in both digital technology as well as changing consumer behavior. I think in some cases it'll be good. And in some cases, a lot of industries are going to continue to have to be forced in, uh, in, into adaptation. Yeah, I you know I think the thing that really did it for me with contactless payments is when my chip just didn't want to work on a certain card, um, and I found out this particular card from this particular bank. It just seemed like it was it was a problem everywhere, and uh, I got so tired of doing that three chip thing and then swipe it. Where finally I was like, why? why am I not just using Google pay? Like, this is silly signed up for it. And once I use that the first time I, my immediate resp response is why have I not been using this? This is the best thing ever. And now I'm hooked on using Google pay for just about everything, but I'm kind of curious, like what, what are you seeing at the stores? Do you, do you see people really wanting to pay through Google pay, Samsung pay, Apple pay, or are they wanting to pay through, um, a, a mobile app or tap and go on the card. Um, what are, what are people really picking up? That's a great question. What I've found and, and what we've seen in both the transaction counts and, and research and, and studies so far is that you really do have a natural, um, tendency for people to what they first use is generally what they stick with, right? Oh, yeah. And so you see a lot of guests, um, if Starbucks was the first thing that they used to transact, they're very used to a stored value type of relationship with the brand. If you were a digital native, it's super easy for you just to use Google Pay or Apple Pay because you're a 
digital native, right? You just, it's like, it's built into my operating system inside my phone. This is, a, this is amazing, right? Um, I think with the advent of things like Apple's credit card as well, where you now have a fully connected ecosystem to your bank, the credit card and the way to transact, which is in the mobile app, that's going to make things far more seamless and easy for people to just stay within their, uh, their mobile devices wallet, essentially. But I think stored value is outstanding because it gives brands like Pilot and, and Flying J the opportunity to give the guests something extra. And that's the connection to our loyalty program. And so, you know, stored value um, will be actually in our app uh, next month. And so I'm excited about a huge release uh, coming up for us, which is, again, hopefully in, in 2022, we can have another conversation about all the outstanding stuff that we've been doing and, and what the team has been working on. That stored value gives us that opportunity, though, to have extra benefit delivered to the guest. Mm -hmm. And so the connection between your stored value wallet in our brands app and the extra benefits that we can tie to the loyalty program, I think that's a very powerful combination that you can't do with things like Apple Pay or Google Pay. Mm -hmm. But we just want to meet the guest wherever they are. If they'd like to pay us with Apple Pay, we would love to help them make that an easy transaction. If they'd like to use stored value, we want to make sure that it's a great experience and they can use stored value. So. Yeah, it sounds like it's it sounds like the answer is really about just having available options for everybody, kind of meeting them where they are. And um, you know, that kind of brings me to a question I had, which is, um, and I could be wrong here, but just my observation has been with um loyalty programs and fuel and convenience over about the past five years, it seems they were um well, I guess let me back up. It seems like mobile apps at fuel and convenience retailers or about the past five years were overwhelmingly designed around rewards programs, fuel discounts, sort of that type of thing. But, you know, with with COVID last year, it seemed like suddenly you had a customer who didn't want to come in the store uh, because of health concerns, whereas the whole ecosystem there was designed to convince them to come to the store. So I guess I'm just curious, like what retailers are seeing um, within their particular brands. Um, you know, what sort of functionality do you think is really going to be needed uh, to be added to apps here moving forward? Is it, um, you know, is it getting into things um, you know, like stored wallets? Is it looking at subscription programs, mobile ordering, delivery? I know everyone's situation's different and you guys are definitely different than a lot of other folks since you serve such a broad customer base. But I'm curious what sorts of things uh, you're looking at right now. A great observation. Yeah, the, the entire goal of the, the fuel industry, right, is to try to convert somebody from the dispenser <laughs> to the door. Uh, us included. Um, we do have a, an awesome guest type um, because we are a travel center. Uh, and so the, the times and reasons that people are stopping are often um, more than, you know, just a tank of gas, right? They're, they're traveling on the interstate and, and they're hungry, bladders full, uh, plus need gas or, you know, plus need a break from the kids and just need to get out. Uh, and then, of course, we have all the pro drivers, which which is a, a very different guest type. So I do think the value proposition is going to have to change between the retailer and the guest going forward. I do think that it has to be something 
fairly compelling in order to get somebody to come inside the box, for sure. Um, you've also seen a very giant change in consumer behavior with drive-throughs. Mm -hmm. And so we're fortunate that we do have a lot of QSRs that we own and operate. We're, we're, we're the franchisee. Uh, for all those wonderful QSRs that we partner with, we've, we've got over 14 partnerships with QSRs. And the challenge, I think, is that you have, again, this changed consumer behavior that why would I go inside the store when I can just go through the double drive through lanes? You know, it, it's super fast. I don't have to go inside. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't have to talk to anybody and get in line, touch anything. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the biggest hurdles to overcome is, is either providing the value proposition in order to make it worthwhile to come inside or just battling on ways that you capitalize um, on, on what the visit is actually for, right? If, if, if I'm headed to get a, a Baconator, I know I'm getting, I'm no, I know I'm going to a Wendy's, you know, and how do you, how do you change that interaction and engagement with that guest? Um, you know, if they're coming for a specific purpose. Um, for us, it, it really relies on the awesome offers and and rewards that we have inside the mobile app. And so we have to do everything we can to to try to present the best value and the best reason, uh, you know, to get that guest inside the box. You know, that's an interesting point about about drive throughs. Um, because you uh, you guys currently operate some drive throughs, don't you? We do. Yeah, I just realized I don't think I've ever I've ever driven through them. Um, I'm always a guy that's got to go in the store and look around. So I'm, uh, you know, probably maybe not the average customer there. But um, I'm curious with your with your drive throughs, um, you know, when you're in situations where you have um, maybe a couple QSRs or some of your own brands. And I mean, pilots always have a huge variety of everything inside. How do you manage that through through a drive through? Is it is it just focus on maybe one of them or does it kind of look at everything? Yeah, well, the question is, how might we look at using drive-throughs differently? Was that mm -hmm. Frank? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, how do you manage the multiple brands or, um, you know, and and your own brands as well through through a drive-through? Because just to clarify, right now you have them with a specific QSR at different locations, right? It's not mm -hmm. like you have one for the whole, <laughs> the whole of Pilot. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, so the challenge is, of course, um, each of the QSR brands have different standards that they'd like the drive-throughs operated to, right? It's all about speed of service. Mm -hmm. um, and during the pandemic, speed of service became the ultimate um, benchmark and, and way of measuring success because no one could come inside the store. And so the drive-through became the lifeline to, to actually being able to sell something. You know, it was... It was the only way that you were able to, to sell that food. Um, so yeah, for us, we have many, many QSRs um, that we partner with, but we also have a giant deli and food operations inside our store as well. And so I think that just comes down to being innovative. Um, you know, that how can you maximize the, the limited engagements or limited touch points that you have with guests going forward? Uh, again, is it um, optimizing how you're you're allowing your mobile app to be used, whether it's ordering ahead or you know pickup in store or curbside? Because um, the drive-through isn't 
isn't always able to be used the way that you'd like it to be used. Yeah. Right. Um, I can't run bags of chips and beef jerky, you know, over to the Wendy's drive-through necessarily. Um, nor is somebody who's in the Wendy's drive-through thinking that, you know, like, oh, you know what I need? I need some, you know, Doritos and some other items to go along with my Wendy's order at this time. So, yeah, I think it's just about trying to think, um, you know, as, as creatively as possible. And, and again, maximizing those touch points and, and opportunities of engagement that you do get. Yeah, I would think having the drive-thrus for the QSRs would be really effective, though. I, I remember doing a survey, I think it was a few years ago, where I was trying to get into um, just how consumers feel about drive-thrus and surveyed about 10,000 people. It was, a, it was a big survey, but we um, the thing I, I tried to drill down as much as possible is for the folks that do use drive-thrus regularly, um, what percentage of them see it as a non-negotiable thing, where that's only they're only going to place with the drive-thru. And I mean, it, it was, I think between 20 to 25%, that's what they were telling us. And I was just, I just found that so interesting, you know, how many people see the drive-thru as like, that's, that's what I need. Uh, I just need to find a brand that, that has one. And we've talked to so many convenience store operators, right? And I know I've interviewed a lot who are looking as we move through 2021 of adding drive-thrus to their stores if they didn't have them previously. Yeah, the, the pandemic really made the drive-through a again a, a critical piece of the business operation. So many people who might have come inside the store, like yourself previously, Frank, they might not be so inclined going forward, right? They they made it 15 months without ever having to go yeah. inside the store, right? Um you know, they were using things like DoorDash and Uber Eats and all the delivery services. Now it's a certain percentage of people that will never be coming back inside the store. What do we do to make sure that we're serving them uh, and having a great opportunity to interact and engage with them or sell them something, even if they choose not to come inside the store? And so you got to figure that out, right? That's the retailer's challenge. We have to figure out how to um, sell those goods to people that might not want to come back inside because they haven't done it for 15 months. Yeah, it was always interesting looking at the drive throughs this past year around here. Um, I mean, they were completely backed up all through 2020 here. I, I'm based out of Des Moines, Iowa, and it was just nonstop. They were backed up. We actually, um, we had gotten a steak and shake at one point and it was so bad that it was backing up into the interstate on uh, the off ramp on the interstate. Um, local news came out with a drone to get an aerial an aerial photo of this. <laughs> I think there was something like eighty or ninety cars waiting. I couldn't believe it. I I wouldn't I wouldn't wait that long even at Disneyland um, for anything. So, one extra comment on that: Can you imagine being eighty or ninety people deep in line inside the store? People wouldn't people wouldn't stand for that type of service, but. Being that it's in a drive-through, you're safe, you're protected, you're in your own little ecosystem and bubble inside your car, right? The wait period is very, it, it's completely redefined and changed the way that people are okay um, with, with a certain type of service. And so I think it's going to be, again, fascinating to see what levels of, of acceptance, you know, um, you know, pe people get coming out of, you know, uh, the pandemic, right? So, hey, if you're vaccinated and it's back to normal coming inside the stores, like, are you going to 
accept waiting for a long period of time. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, that's that's a good point, though, because, um, you know, I remember talking with a retailer. This was like four or five years ago, and he during the conversation mentioned something about how he'd observed that as smartphones really hit the scene, um, the lines that they're at their car washes got longer. And he found that so interesting because his, his, his whole theory is people just don't mind waiting in that line in their car anymore because yeah, to your point, you're safe, you're in the car, but now you've got a smartphone and you're, you can entertain yourself. Even if, uh, I guess you're in a 90, 90 car line, uh, for a new QSR that shows up. Um, I always find that, that interesting, but you know, kind of to end out our conversation, one thing I'm curious for your thoughts on is, um, and kind of going back to that that idea of everyone sort of has their own preferences and you just have to have options to meet everybody where they're at. Um, looking to the future of mobile apps at convenience stores, what do you see as maybe um, something that might become table stakes in, in the near future where you just got to have it on your app, even if not everyone's asking for it? Yeah, certainly the easiest way to transact, right? So we're totally with you. Um, we believe that contactless payment is going to continue. Um, ease of payment, you know, uh, people use frictionless uh, quite often as the, the term that they focus on. Um, we just see that continuing to grow. Um, I think that people are also going to want to be able to shop in different ways. Again, the impact of e-commerce and shopping from home on your phone I see that as being an absolute necessity of how does that proliferate and move into your in-store shopping experience? So whether that's scan and shop or order ahead, pick up in store, you know, which is basically all C-store retailers essentially are BOPIS, right? Everybody buys online and picks up in store. Um, and then the, the other thing too is figuring out how do you make sure that you can get those goods to other people wherever they are, right? And so, again, the advent of the the gig economy with DoorDash and Uber Eats, um, you know, that that's something I think that's going to be critically important to be able to make sure that you provide that service for people. Absolutely. Well, I think we're kind of hitting the end of our podcast here. But Tyler, really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for thanks for coming on and sharing your insights with us here uh, this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Really appreciate it.